Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Now, this morning, I'd just like to start by asking you all some very, very obvious questions. Who likes to be in control? Right? Who likes things to go their way? Who likes to get what they want? Uh, Well, it's good to be able to see some hands because I reckon if we're going to be honest with each other, we all do. We all like things to go our way and we all like to get what we want. Because what I've noticed is that from birth and as we grow, we're all pre-programmed with this inbuilt desire to at times stop at absolutely nothing in order to get what we want. We like things to be able to go our way. You may have heard humanity scream this desire uh, over in, in your community, perhaps in your workplace, maybe even in your own family life. You would have heard it everywhere. And it may have been announced in a quote, maybe sounding something like this. It's my way or the highway. Many of you might have heard this before. It can be used in many situations. Now, what I'd like to do, I'd like to be able to give you some examples here of what this desire sounds like. And in order to be able to get this into our psyche, for you to be able to really picture this, I'm going to have to enforce my will. What I'm going to do, I'm going to potentially embarrass myself and I'm going to act these out. Is that all right? Are we allowed to have a little bit of fun at church for the first one for the year? Okay, all right. Because what I thought of, I thought if I, if I just read these out, they're just going to sound boring, right? So I thought, let's give it a little bit of flavour. All right. Don't judge me afterwards, okay? <laughs> all right, now, with this first example of enforcing our will, of having our way, right now, I am definitely guilty of saying this one to my kids, all right? This is what it sounds like. Hello! Oh, I'm so sorry that you don't like doing your chores. But until you're 18 and you move out of the house, it's my way or the highway, dear. (laughs) All right? There's three more. We're still going. Gosh, this might be my last sermon ever, mightn't it? All right. But anyway, let's keep going. Employers. Employers. Not, Not all employers, but some of them, they love using this over their employees. This is what it sounds like. When I work an extra 20 hours a week, you can quit. It's my way or the highway, dear. All right, two more. Let's just keep this going. Uh, I can't wait till uh, my daughter brings her first boyfriend home. This is what's going to be said to him. Ooh, don't try to negotiate with her dad. It's his way or the highway. And the last one, and then I'll put you out of your misery. Uh, Every smart parent would abide to this one. Oh, it's his 16th birthday today. So, of course, it's her way or the highway today. Right? So, you're getting a bit of a picture of this. Does anyone know who I was trying to be? Anyone pick the voice? Anyone? (laughs) Say it, please. Mrs. Diopfire. Did you say that before the picture came up? (laughs) Anyway, I wasn't sure. It wasn't really quick enough. All right, so let's keep moving forward. So you see, our way, as I just showed you, I just enforced my will, right? Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention, right? I did that for a reason. I did that, that acting out, which would be made more clear towards the end of my message. It wasn't just trying to be 
some comedian, all right? So you see, our way, it's reinforced all the time. It's even been made into one of the most famous songs of all time from a singer named Frank Sinatra. Here we go. Here we go. Does anyone know the finishing line? Do I have to sing it for you? I do? Okay, you ready? I did it my way. All right. All right, that's it now. Let's get serious. Let's get really moving on here. All right, so our way, it is fueled by our will. And our will, as you saw, it can propel us to do whatever it takes in order to get what we want. At times, we want our will to be enforced at any cost. We don't like to lose. Just have a look at professional sports people with the way that they react if, if they lose. Sometimes they're able to be able to hold it on the field, but you can guarantee behind closed doors, like they are naturally devastated. They are really hurting within. And let's take this desire to enforce our will to win and let's place it into the most highest precious scenarios such as World War II. Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of England in the 1940s, he gave his most famous speech when facing overwhelming odds from Germany, where he finished his speech with a very defiant and passionate, we will never surrender. This is one of the greatest speeches of all time, which motivated the English people to uh, win the Battle of Britain and to be a part of winning the war. And... For me, I thought it was appropriate to be able to uh, give you this picture of war in regards to the will. Because the truth is, if we haven't actually made the choice to surrender ourselves completely to God, if we haven't given him our all from our mind and from in our heart, then we are effectively, if we haven't done this, we are effectively at war with him. Like we are battling against him. Now, as I share this conversation with you all this morning, right, look, I'll be the first to admit I've been a Christian for uh, 29 years of my life, and for the first 18 years of my life, I was battling against God. I was at war with him. I'd received my salvation. I loved God. I, I sensed his direction um, as, he, as he was working in my life. But the thing was, there was a fundamental problem, right? I hadn't actually made him Lord of my life. I hadn't given him my all. Like throughout this period, throughout this time, I was actually battling with God and I didn't even know it. And, and the funny thing was is that where I was at with my point within my walk then, I actually thought I was doing the right thing. But it was right up until I was brought uh, to a point where I had a dramatic encounter with Jesus. Now, when, we, when I experienced this encounter, like everything changed from, from that moment. Like my, my psyche, my way of thinking, my vision looking forward. It was a powerful encounter. Now, when we're talking about an encounter from God, you know, this can look very different depending on the personality of the person. For some people, it needs to be dramatic. For others, it's a process over time. It is, it is an encounter journey. I really uh, enjoyed hearing about a lady's testimony from our Seaview campus. Um, her name was Dee. And what Dee said within her testimony, she said that her, her encounter with God was over a long period of time where God had always gently waited for her, loved her and coaxed her along. I really like what Rick Warren says in The Purpose Driven Life. He says, the power of the Holy Spirit can work in quite unassuming ways that you can't even be aware of or can feel. 
like at times he can just nudge us along with his gentle whisper. He said, Christ-likeness is not produced by imitation, but, but by inhabitation. So in other words, we make that conscious decision from our mind and our heart and we allow Christ to live in us. We give him that permission. We surrender completely to him. So, like I said, for others it can be dramatic. A great example is the, uh, the Apostle Paul, how he had a dramatic encounter on, his, on the road on the way to Damascus. Now, I know many of you know this story. Um, and, you know, it, you might have even heard the quote. It was a road to Damascus moment. There's even people in the secular world that refer to this quote. So what, what it's referring to is referring to a dramatic conversion, a transformation of mindset and understanding caused by a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful encounter like no other. And for Paul, it needed to be dramatic. Like Paul was ferocious. He had such a zeal and such a passion and his will to drive him to be able to try and stamp out followers of the way. So in other words, he was doing his best to be able to stop people like us all meeting and congregating like this. His will and his tenacity, like this, this guy was stubborn. Like he, he would stop at nothing to destroy Christianity. And he, he had such a zeal because within himself, he actually thought he was doing the right thing. He thought that this was from God, but he was actually at war with God. He was misguided. The problem was is that he hadn't experienced the truth. He needed a major intervention to come in and step in and to be able to challenge his will and to realign his focus. He needed that so important, that encounter with Jesus. So as Paul was on his way to Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly come down and it shone around him and he fell to the ground. So Jesus meets with him in this powerful way and he speaks from Acts 9, 4 to 6. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. Now that last line there, now get up and go to the city and be told what you must do, that's very important and we'll come back to that. So Paul has this incredible encounter with Jesus where I'd suggest that this meeting that he had, like he'd be shaken right to the very core. Everything that he thought was true and right leading up to that point, it now meant nothing. And that's because of the encounter with Jesus. It's because he was now on a new journey. And he explains this in Philippians 3, 6 to 7. He says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. So that brings me to my first point, your way, not my way. So like I mentioned earlier, I had an encounter for God and for me, I perceived it as being dramatic. Um, and, and what I'd like to do, I'd like to be able to share some insights with you now of what I was experiencing, what was going on with, within me leading up to this encounter. What was shaping me? So um, when I was four years of age, uh, my father uh, divorced, uh, sorry, my mother divorced my father partly due to a drinking problem that he had. Um, I have no brothers or sisters. I'm an only child. So... You know, growing up as a young boy, I, I really only had my, myself to be able to try, 
rely on, I guess, and to be able to work things through. Like, don't get me wrong, um, uh, my mother was there for me and she did the best that she could. But growing up through as a teenager, um, like home, home felt uh, more like a hotel room for me where you just come and you go, uh, you ate, you slept, and then you just hang on, go out and hang out with your friends. So there was no real uh, emotional support, wisdom or guidance to be able to, that I could take hold of to be able to um, uh, find my way in life. So when the troubles of life come along, um, a, a jealous, unloving stepfather, um, an alcoholic father who was in and out of hospital, um, I naturally, I became very, I became very angry. Uh, and through that, my will then stepped in and it naturally began to fight the problems of life my way. Right? Like, like I didn't know any better. That was the only thing that I could turn to. So I took things into my own hands. I was strongly willed. Uh, I, I would fight. I was stubborn. Sometimes I'm still stubborn. And, and, I, and I would, to the best of my capability in navigating through life, I would refuse to give up. And th this way of living, this went right up through to uh, my early years of marriage when I got married with Chantel. So at this point, leading up to here, right, I was so ingrained uh, in my way because at that point in time in life, I would actually defeat the troubles of life. Things, things for a period of time, they were all working out my way. And a crazy part of me would actually welcome troubles because, because it would work out my way. But there was a very dangerous part to this, is that what it did is that all it did was reinforce my self-sufficiency. I would just rely on myself. I didn't need to rely on anything else. And the other crazy thing of this mindset is that I actually thought I was doing the right thing before God. I thought this was what it meant to be able to walk with God. Then, 13 years ago, um, uh, I, I began to notice that things in life began to change. I began to notice that the troubles of life, they were becoming far more difficult. And no matter what I did, nothing, thing, I was beginning to lose more and more control. So I began to dig in deeper. I began to sort of try fight even harder. But no matter what I did, nothing would work out. And, you know, and this, and this confused me, um, where, I, began, where I, I couldn't actually understand what was happening. And this went on a period for uh, five years. We had troubles with uh, so-called friends. We had troubles with uh, our family life. I had troubles with the school. I had troubles with my work. And like the, I just could not understand why my life was turning to chaos, why everything was out of my hands. So as, as a result of this, of digging in deeper and, and, and trying to uh, win and to enforce my will, I'd become incredibly highly strung. I was stressed. I was angry. And through all this fighting, I'd just become so deep down tired, so very, very tired until eventually I had absolutely nothing left in the tank. Like, I kid you not, it was by far, it, it was a strange time because I'd never experienced it before, but it was the lowest point of my life. Then, um, a bit over 10 years ago, uh, I got in the car, uh, I went for a drive down to uh, Westlake Shore. Uh, I, I went and I sat down on the water's edge with my head between my legs 
And I was just sitting there contemplating and I was thinking to myself, like, what is going on here? Like, this is, this is just crazy. It's nuts. And I looked up before God and I said to him, God, like, if there is something that you want to say to me, now is the time because I am done. I've had it. And as I sat there, I began to feel like this stirring within my spirit. And I, I felt what I heard was this gentle whisper just say to me, it's not your burden to carry. And as I heard this, I thought to myself, like, number one, I'm trying to recognise, is this God? It feels like God. I didn't hear it audibly, but it might as well have been because it was like this stirring within my spirit. And I thought, well, God, like, what are you, what are you saying here? It's not my burden to carry. Like, I didn't understand what he was saying to me. And as I sat reflecting it, the stirring more and more, and I felt that he gave me this impression of, Jason, like, what are you doing? Give your burdens to me. And once I recognised that this was God, and because I, I was just brought to that point of, like, I am done, I made a very conscious decision within my mind and within, within my spirit. I remember it very vividly. I sat there, I looked up before God, and I gave him my all. I completely surrendered to him because there was no other choice. I had nowhere else to go. And then I felt that he said to me, get up, go to Port Life Church, go and pray one of the part, with one of the pastors as an act of faith of the commitment that you have just made. So that brings me to my second point, and that is your way every day. When Paul had this encounter with Jesus, a response was required from him to be able to continue his journey together. He, uh, Jesus said to him, now get up and go to the city and I will tell you what you must do. So like Paul, I felt that I had to respond. I got in my car, um, I drove down here to uh, Port Life Church, walked in through the door and the first person that I saw was Kev. Uh, many of you would know Kev, but for those of you who don't, he's our, our senior pastor at our Seaview campus. And when I met Kev, I just, there was a real peace. I thought, okay, I, can, I, I feel straight away that I can trust this guy. So I went in, uh, went to his office, we shared some things. I prayed with him as an act of faith of the commitment that I've just made. And it was at that moment, if I had to imagine God looking down on me, I reckon he would have just been with a big sigh of relief saying, my goodness, thank goodness for that. Because now I can work. Now I can work within you. In, um, in Philippians 2.13, it says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Rick Warren also says, Once we put Christ in the driver's seat of our life and we take our hands off of the steering wheel, don't be afraid. Nothing under his, under his control can ever be out of control. Mastered by Christ, you can handle anything. We can handle anything. Now back to my second point. Surrender requires a response. So there is that moment of surrender. There is that, that powerful, wonderful encounter. But then there's the response, meaning the practice of surrender, which is that moment by moment, day by day, long life journey with him. In Luke 9.23, he says, this is Jesus speaking, um, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. 
So for my family and I, God moved very quickly, right? It, it, it felt almost like a red carpet after I prayed with Kev for my family and I to come here at uh, Port Life Church. So we came here that Sunday. And from the moment that we walked through the doors, like we were embraced with this, just this beautiful, genuine care and acceptance. We were accepted for who we were. We were loved. Uh, we made instant, genuine friends. And like I, like I actually couldn't believe it. Our first initial meeting when we come in through the door, actually, I grabbed my wallet thinking, do they want my cash? Like, what is this? They didn't want my cash, right? But I'm just saying, like, they actually showed, everyone showed an interest in us for who we were. So it was very clear, very clear and apparent that that five-year battle that, we, um, that, we, that I was going through for Lord of our, of our life, it was now done. It was finished. It was over. We couldn't believe it, all right? I, I, I still can't believe it. Just the way that God can care for you and, and, and meet you at such a point when you're so down. So we were, we, were, we were just so grateful for God's intervention that our daily response of surrender, it was very, very easy. Chantel and I, um, we couldn't help but embrace all the new people. We just took it upon ourselves to embrace all the new people that come in through the door. Well, I hope this doesn't sound corny, right? But what we wanted to do, we wanted to be able to give this feel as if it was Jesus embracing all the people coming through the door and giving this feel of welcome home. Welcome home to your family. So, you know, this, our, our, our response, it was an outpouring of, of, of worship that came very naturally for us because of God's love and mercy that he'd shown to us. Our well-being, our thought patterns, our personalities were being transformed over this period of time without us even knowing it. But God, God was doing so much work within us as we were dedicating our time and our love to him. We were being transformed by, so I just want to clarify, we weren't being transformed by the works that we did, right? We were being transformed by the love and gratefulness that compelled us to give. And as we dedicated our time and our love to him, so we're now, out, we're now outliving his will, which is not the best way to live. It is the only way to live. And if Chantel and I could look back like uh, uh, 10 years ago, and well, probably more myself because my wife's perfect, right? But if I could look back 10 years ago and see a video of myself, like, I don't think I'd recognise myself. In some ways, I'd be embarrassed. So in Romans 12.2, it says, don't copy the behaviours and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you, will, then you will know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing and perfect. So through that terrible uh, uh, time, that, that season in our life where it seemed that everything was out of control, I actually received the deep ingrained revelation that God has a purpose behind everything and that everything and nothing is out of his control. And this brings me to my third and final point, and that is your way every day, no matter what. So from, so from when I received this encounter with God and once, once I understood the revelation, once that had gone deep within my psyche and within my heart, that God is in control of all things, I now had a, a very firm foundation to be able to 
confidently uh, put my trust in. I was now living in what could be described as my happy place. But just let me clarify, not like the happy place of Happy Gilmore, all right? Definitely not, right? My happy place, right, if the, if, uh, my spiritual happy place, if this is what we're going to call it, this was a time to be healed. It was a time to be strengthened. It was a, a, a time for God to go to work within me where I developed such a fire and, and just a real yearning to outlive the purposes of God. Like, I just wanted to give my all to him. Like, if it's just that nothing else mattered. I wanted to dedicate every gift that I had and try apply it to the best of my ability for God. Like, I'm not trying to sound like some uh, Christian superhero or holy person here, right? It's just that in that moment, it was just such an awesome place to be journeying in, being filled with purpose, being filled with a fire from the Holy Spirit, just where, where I knew, I just knew, I just knew, I just knew that this is the right place, right where I was meant to be. Right? Nothing else compares to this, being in that, in that presence with God. So this, this created a, a desire within me which um, I really couldn't contain anymore. In fact, I thought I was going to explode if I didn't do this. So I went and approached Josh and I asked him if I should head down this road uh, to become a pastor. Now, obviously, he said yes, but he warned me. He said, if you go down this road, you will be stretched. Now, at that moment, just very enthusiastically and possibly a little bit arrogantly, I just said, well, bring it on, mate, and stretch away. And then he put his head down, he had a big smirk on his face, and he said, we'll see, mate. We will see. Like, I absolutely had no idea what it meant to be stretched by God, right? The areas that he would stretch within me and how that he would go about it. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this, uh, this bit part of my journey with you because I am leading to expand on my final point. Rick Warren says, uh, well, he makes a very accurate statement that I experienced through my journey, and this is what he says. He says, let me warn you. When you decide to live a totally surrendered life, that decision will be tested. Sometimes it will mean doing inconvenient, unpopular, costly, and seemingly impossible tasks. It will mean doing the opposite of what you feel like doing. I'll say it again. It will mean doing the opposite of what you feel like doing. And what I experienced, this can be tough. It's not impossible. With God behind you, definitely not. But in the moment, it's tough. It's a challenge. Let me broaden this some more. The surrendered life will also challenge your thinking. It'll touch on your emotions. It, and it will, it will test your character. At some stage, we will be brought to a point of having to make a decision. We'll all have to decide on one of two options. In other words, what will I allow my will choose to do? Do I choose to look at situations through the eyes of Jesus and allow his way to be my way? Which can be difficult, like I said, right? Not impossible, but it requires faith and trust. Or do I look at what appears to be the easy road and avoid the surrendered life and take life back into my own hands? And I've just given you all, I shared a, a testimony with you all that explains how hopeless that that is. 
Like, I'll be honest with you all. I, I, I didn't find my journey to become a pastor easy. For most of it, it was tough. It was actually very tough. There was definitely a moment, there was a point in that journey where I recognised that I'd been removed out of my happy place and then I began to be stretched. But God was doing a lot of work within me through this journey. The most challenging would be where God was developing my characters in ways that I didn't expect. But he was using that challenge to strengthen my trust in him. And he was using it to draw me closer to him. As another example, I've had to face fear and nervousness nearly every time before I get up and speak to you all. You know, preaching can leave you feeling very vulnerable, especially when you're, you're, you're exposing your deepest and most inner thoughts, right? It can be challenging, stepping out in faith and trying new things, like embarrassing yourself as Mrs. Doubtfire, right? But I felt compelled to do this. I felt like a backing from God to be me and, and to be the man that God desired me to be. That's part of the journey for all of us. He's designed us a certain way and we're to follow him and be his way. So I learned something very crucial through the difficulties and the challenges of becoming a pastor and also in my life, uh, which I've shared to you through this testimony. Like, I love living in the presence that uh, uh, the encounter with God provides. Um, I, I, I love feeling like I'm in fire with the Holy Spirit. But the surrendered life, it's not about how you feel. It's not about living in your happy place, right? It's about trusting and loving Jesus no matter what. It's about following his way, especially when times are tough. It's about holding on to your encounter and his amazing love for us. It's about keeping your eyes firmly fixed on the Father, where you keep moving forward his way every day, no matter what. And you know, one of the things which I love about Jesus the most, the thing which I love about him is that he is not fake. And what I mean by that is that he's no hypocrite. Like he never asks us to do something that he hasn't already done. He always sets the example by living out his, teachers, his teachings and then he encourages us with this feel of, like this is just my words, right? He encourages us with this, I love you, but I want more of you. Come on, trust me, you can do the same because I have paved the way before you. Jesus has mastered the surrendered life like no one else. When Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, oh my gosh, what a prayer. What a powerful prayer. But when he prayed, he never relied on how he felt. He never relied on being in his happy place. He relied on one thing and one thing only. He relied completely on his father's will. He relied on God's will every day, no matter what. And I think nothing captures this moment better than Mark 14, 32 to 36. Um, listen to this. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, being Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went on a little farther and he fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour 
awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. All right, like surely, surely this is the greatest act of surrender that the world has ever seen. And he did all this. He did it because uh, uh, he did. He outlaid his father's will because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that those who, sorry, he did it so that everyone that believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for everyone. And thank goodness that he did because we'd all be lost. All right, so having said all that, I, I guess that the, the, the question for us to be able to seriously reflect on is this. Am I living out the surrendered life to the best of my capability? Am I choosing to make steps and allowing God to have His way every day, no matter what? It's definitely something very important to think about because it will transform our lives. So from here, I'd like to leave you with some words from Paul to reflect on, um, which I think are appropriate to finish with. It's from Romans 12, 1. It's the TEV version. This is what Paul says. He says, So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated uh, to His service and to pleasing Him. This is the true way to worship that you should offer. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your abundant love and grace. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you chose to live out your Father's will. Thank you, Father, for what you did, that you embraced all the fear, you embraced all the challenges, you still outlived that, that, that terrible sacrifice for us. You did that because you love us so much. So loving Lord, as we move forward throughout our lives from this day forward, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you come in and intervene on everyone here. I pray, Lord, that to the best of our capability, we, as we walk out through the doors, or even this second right now, that through the encounter that we have experienced with you or the encounter which is over a period of time, I pray, Lord, through that revelation of what you've done for us, that we outlive your way every day, no matter what. Help us, Lord. Give us the strength. Give us the courage to be able to face the challenges that are involved with that, but knowing that you are at the forefront, you are leading the way. And I just pray for anyone here who may not have had an encounter with God. I pray that you, that I hope that, that you've spoken to them this morning. And I pray, Lord, that if it's just planted something within someone's heart who may not have a relationship with you, I pray, Lord, that maybe they will reach out to you. They'll want to cry out for an encounter with you. They have nothing to lose. It is absolutely free. So Lord, Holy Spirit, would you do that please? Because I know you want to because you love everyone here. Thank you, loving Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.